Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the trade addicts podcast thank you and enjoy your podcast Welcome in a DLF family of podcasts. That's James the Brain. John, it has been too long, my friend. I can't even wait to hear Travis's dad joke. <laughs> well, unfortunately, you have to wait at least another week. No Travis beard, no dad jokes, but it has been way wait. too long. What? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm out of here, man. I'm out of here. Stop the pod. I'm done. I know. I know, man. You got to deal with just me. I am, I am John, Super Mary Dude Hogan. This is the Super Flex Super Show, and that's right. We are back after a little bit of a hiatus, so that I could go get married. Yes, super uh, congratulations to you on getting (laughs) super married. (laughs) Well, thank you. Uh, While I was doing that, I uh, got steamrolled in every league where I was uh, made it to where I made it to the semifinals. And uh, so now, not only am I, I was I was already tilting a little bit with this uh, this new piece of metal on the left side of my body, um, but now, after a absolutely terrible week fifteen, I am just tilting all over my y axis. Super tilting. Yeah, just uh, so. Uh, it sounds like congratulations to you, though. It sounds not only. Have you made it to a handful of championships? You also already won one uh, that comes with a championship belt. Um, any interest in telling us a little bit about uh, where you're at, uh, the the championship that you won, and the championships that you're still vying for? Yeah, absolutely, man. I I'm excited that so the fan show um, has a listener league that I was fortunate enough to be a part of. And uh, had some really heavy hitters in there and just a, a whole lot of fun. That league is awesome. Uh, the fan show has a great podcast that I listen to all the time. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed being a part of it. And luckily, I was fortunate enough to win the championship there. They had the championship game last week, and I was able to, to come away victorious. I get a title belt from Undisputed Belts as well, which is so cool. I can't wait to get my hands on that. And I also get to be a guest on that podcast, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, tremendously. So that that was huge uh, to win that uh, meant a lot to me. But I, I am still in two championship games, actually three. Uh, one of them is Debbie League. And I'm, I'm, I'm really pumped about being in that one. That one, I've had the best team. I scored the most total points all year in and I'm in the championship game. Uh, that one's really fun. I uh, really built around running backs in that league. And the loss of Kareem Hunt has hurt me a little bit. However, this one's going to hurt to admit, John, but Aaron Jones has really helped me out because I have Aaron Jones, David Johnson, and Saquon Barkley in that one. So I've been kind of, oh, kind of, 
Yeah, you, you don't yeah. deserve Aaron Jones. You, d- I, you hate Aaron Jones. I and can't wait to deal him, him in the offseason. <laughs> I can't wait to deal him in the offseason. I'm going to get so much for him. Anyway, is that, that's one of them. But my, my home league, man, uh, my home dynasty league, I made it to the championship game. I'm going up against a juggernaut of a team. But it's going to be fun. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. This this week actually has meaning for me this year. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to that, John. And I know that you you may have missed out, but you, you got some third-place games that you're still participating in, too. So you got some some lineups to set here, too, my friend. Yeah, that's that's true. And, I mean, we all know that it just it's not the same. It's not the same pressure. It's not the same payoff. But it's still fantasy football for one more week. So I, I'm I'm still excited about it. So, but nice. all of this is to say that there's still fantasy football to be played, and so we are going to talk about week 16 a little bit. We're going to talk about some hard roster decisions that people are going to be making this week, and uh, so we'll get to that. We're not going to completely bail on you now, right before your championship game, um, but we are also gonna start now with our with our shift towards the off season and uh we're gonna start to uh kind of set the the foundation lay the foundation for this entire off season at the super flex super show we don't take the off season off we we keep going and we're gonna be talking throughout the off season we're gonna be talking about rookies and free agents and startup drafts and rookie drafts and uh we've yes. got so much to cover but to me, James, it all starts with just a reflection on 2018, a.k.a. what in the hell was that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this... yeah, it, it was, uh, man, this year was interesting, wasn't it, John? I mean, there's just... Uh, interesting is definitely a, a word that you could... <laughs> <laughs> not, my, not, my, not my first choice of words, but it was, uh, that's definitely one of many descriptors for it yeah yeah um well i and and that's just it i I think we're going to touch on a little bit here on what we learned john um so if you don't mind i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and reflect a little bit because this this is something that i learned and i i was always on the opposite side of this fence and and i learned something here that matchups are everything matchups are everything look at the matchup Look at the matchup. Look at the matchup. Look at how how teams are against certain positions. Look at the matchup that they have because starting your studs, starting your guys that you drafted to be starters, just because they're expected to be great every week is a flawed way to think in fantasy. Look, there's very few exceptions to this. There are certain players, maybe Saquon Barkley is a guy who, hey, he's playing against you know a, a really tough Bears defense. I, I can't sit him. That that's one of the few, there are a few guys like that, but they're they're the rare exception. For the most part, I am looking at matchups at every single position and going, who am I starting based on the matchups? Because matchups are huge. They're they're so huge. And and I used to be that guy who would go, no no no, I'm not benching this uh, this star player because his matchup is tough, and I have a, a another guy whose matchup is is ten times better. No no no, I'm not going to do that. And uh, and I've learned I've learned my lesson because it has burned me. It burned me this year several times. And finally, 
I made the adjustment and I started seeing seeing the uh, seeing the effects when when you bench a guy like Delvin Cook early in the year for someone like Chris Carson and and you start seeing wait a minute here Chris Carson's doing this he's actually do, he's outscoring Delvin Cook I can do this it's a freeing experience man it really is and uh, it's something that I I'm happy that I learned but I wish I had learned it uh, a whole lot sooner uh, with that one so um, what do you think you. John thank you yes it it I absolutely hate the phrase start your studs. You want to know why so many 5 and 6 seeds end up in the championship and ultimately winning the championship because they don't have studs that end up as those rubber stamp starters. They've got hot hands that they've rode all the way into the playoffs and all the way through the playoffs. That's the way you win at fantasy football. It doesn't stop evolving in week 13 week 14 week 15 it it's a constant it it, constant turnover at at every position and people are still going to do that this week people are going to start philip rivers at baltimore they're going to start him over josh allen just because philip rivers is quote-unquote a stud and he's thrown multiple touchdown passes in virtually every game all season long you know they're they're gonna make moves like that. They're gonna start him over Nick Foles, uh, who's who's in a you know far better matchup at home against Houston, um, in a you know in a in a game where he, first of all he's gonna have to throw, but second of all I mean he's already shown that he's that he can run that offense well. So it, it it's a move that way too many people are going to make, and way too many people continue to make. And I get it. Because one of the things I learned in 2018 was that you have to set it and forget it. And I know that that's hard to do in the playoffs. I just, I made this mistake just now. I, in week 15, I tinkered with my lineup way too much and I overthought it. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought too much about matchups. I thought too much about past performances and it ended up messing me up. You you really just need to trust your instincts, and when your instincts tell you to set your lineup a certain way, just leave it, leave it the way it is. You know, I took I I took Damian Williams not only out of my lineup uh, going into the Thursday night game because I had Tyreek Hill and Pat Mahomes already, and I didn't want all three. You know, uh, all, all the three major pieces of the Kansas City Chiefs offense, I didn't want to rely on both the passing game and the running game. I feel like the two cannibalize each other. And generally, I stand by that. But I also dropped Damian Williams um, to get a better flex option. When And when my instinct told me to start Damian Williams in, in place of Spencer Ware, if I had done that, it, I ended up losing that matchup by two points, less than two points. So Damian Williams, 31 plus, 31 and change would have absolutely put me in a championship game. But I tinkered with it. I I went against my instincts. If you want to hear just a really, just a really great, just kind of the, the psychological side of setting lineups, which to me is, is, the hardest and most important part of fantasy football. Listen to the last 20 minutes of the Audible uh, on the couch with Paul Charchian, Sigmund Bloom and Paul Charchian, and they had just an 
amazing conversation on the psychology of trusting your instincts and you know it, it sig was t- talking about his uh how good he is at standardized testing and it's because you know one of the answers one of the multiple choice answers jumps off the page at him and he just marks it down and moves on to the next one where the rest of us i i definitely do this james when i'm taking a test like that i start to question why why is this one jumping off the page at me why is this the one that catches my eye why is this answer so obvious to me and i start coming up with reasons why that's not the right answer and I end up changing my answer and getting it freaking wrong. And I do that with my lineup too. And I did that in week 15. I I went against Damian Williams. I talked myself out of Damian Williams. And I dropped him. I picked up Elijah McGuire. And then I talked myself out of Elijah McGuire. And I and I dropped him too. And then I uh, I picked up Kenneth Dixon. And even managed to talk myself out of Kenneth Dixon, one of my absolute players in the, on the entire planet, regardless of position. I love Kenneth Dixon. And his, he didn't have a great game, but his six points would have won me my, my matchup. That, it hurts. It hurts more when you do it, when you, when you lose that way, doesn't it? I mean, at least to me it does when you're, you know, constantly tinkering and you're constantly trying to, to, to utilize, you know, all the tools that we have, all the fantasy information that's thrown at us. Sometimes you just have to block that out. Like you said, you just have to focus on, okay, this is the matchup that I'm going with and just kind of set it and set it and, and let it, let it sit, you know? So I, I totally understand what you're saying there, John. It's, it's difficult to do because we always want to tinker with it. We always want to go, well, you know, the more I think about it, the more, you know, the more I lean this way. And so I, I think it's, it's nature for us, especially, the more important that these games get, the more that we think about it and the more that we start over over analyzing some of this stuff. So, yeah, it makes total sense to me. Um, and I think you're right. Just just set it and forget it is, is the way to go. Yep. And like you said, starting your studs is is not that's not a thing. Start whoever your instincts tells you to start. You know, it don't necessarily you don't necessarily need to listen to analysts like us. I mean, I, I, I think that uh, the analysts have the exact same problem as a casual fantasy player. We still overthink it, and we still talk ourselves into the notion that, uh, you know, Todd Gurley is going to be better than Damian Williams, you know, and we rank Todd Gurley ahead of Damian Williams. Now, I, Todd Gurley should have had a better game than he, than he did. He he dealt with some injuries, and he still mm-hmm. ended up with a decent game. It was, it it wasn't quite what we expected, but um, that's that's one of many examples of a guy. Aaron Jones is a great example of a guy who, you know, it, just based on what we had seen over the last several weeks, you know, if you're gonna start your stud, I mean, at that point, Aaron Jones was a stud. Now they, uh. the the <laughs> I know <laughs> I I know we'll have we've got the entire off season to argue that point. Don't worry, but mm-hmm. the the reality is, I mean, you can't fault the guy for going out in the first quarter with an injury. But what you, what you can say is, he was going up against the Chicago Bears, which might be the best defense in the league right at the moment. 
were just absolutely sh- – they had shut down Todd Gurley, what, two weeks prior? Mm-hmm. It, you know, you, you, you have to consider things like that. And it, even us analysts, we don't necessarily do that. I, I mean, sometimes we we start off that way when we say, you know what, I don't think that, that Aaron Jones is going to have that good of a week. I think he's in a pretty tough matchup here. But then we talk ourselves out of it, and we say, well, he's still Aaron Jones, you know. I, I, I can't possibly start, you know, Damian Williams, Kenneth Dixon, J- Kalen Balage. I, I can't start those guys over him. I don't care how good their matchup is. We end up being wrong on that, and it's because we overthink it, we overanalyze it. So, you know, just just don't fall into those same traps. I don't even know what else to say. This is this is definitely kind of a cathartic thing for me a little bit. This is this is this is a little bit of a a therapy session for me right now. But (laughs) (laughs) uh, it's it also is meant to be just kind of, you know, we're we're reflecting on the season here on the 2018 fantasy football season. And those are two of my bigger reflections is, number one, not ever feeling like I'm stuck with a guy, like I have to start a guy. I don't care what his name is. It, it you know, I, I was willing to bench Aaron Rodgers for Derek Carr in week 15, and it paid off. <laughs> so I, I got some crap for it on Twitter, but it ended up being the right call. So... Anyways, um, yeah, number one, there's no such thing as start your studs. Number two, your instincts are generally right. Set it and forget it. And then one more thing that I learned in 2018, and this will kind of get us back on the dynasty track and uh, um, get us away from the, you know, from the, the crying in our beer but uh, running backs, running backs win in year one. Quarterbacks and wide receivers still make the dynasties. But, I mean, I, I know because my rankings, James, they don't look any different this year. It's still heavy on quarterbacks in Superflex. It's still high, heavy on wide receivers at the top. And it takes, mm-hmm. there. there's about 12 players ahead of the, the top running back, Saquon Barkley, in my rankings. I'm updating my rankings right now, and Saquon Barkley is somewhere mm. around 12th overall for me in a super flex. Nuts. That is crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. I, I know, and we're going to end up fighting over that all season, or all off season. Mm-hmm. But that the the reality is, I mean, you can, you can make a case for Saquon Barkley, which is that he would have got you to a championship – and likely want he'll he's likely going to win championships for people here in year one. He's just he's he's not going to be around. He he's not guaranteed to be around in three years. So, but that's a that's a whole strategy session that we're going to get into quite a bit here. But there is a there there's a very valid strategy where you. You go into your startup draft, and you go heavy at running back, and you can win the championship. You absolutely can. So, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna poo-poo that strategy. 
you can you know you can get your championship under your belt in year one with some really good running backs but just know the dynasties are built with the longer lasting players the quarterbacks and the wide receivers that's that's progress though john that's progress that you, <laughs> you, you know you're coming around a little bit you're at least you're at least willing to say hey look all right. If you wanna, if you wanna build around running backs, you can do that. You might win year one, but you're not gonna build a dynasty that way. I get it. I get it. But at least, at least you're willing to admit that you know that that's that's a viable strategy. I don't, I don't think a year ago at this time, you would have you would have uh, said that. So I think I think we're making progress here on the running back hate. Yeah. That you uh, that you have. We're we're coming along here. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. It's kind of to a point, dude, where I think. I, I might need to make two sets of rankings. You know, I've got my super flex rankings for dynasty purposes. I might need a second set of rankings that uh, you're playing in a dynasty league, but you don't care about, you know, 2020, 2021. You're not worried about that part. Here's how you win in 2019. Follow these rankings, and it's going to be Saquon Barkley and Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott and Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. It's going to be nothing but running backs at the top because I do believe that you can you can win a championship with those guys, and you can supplement them with wide receivers. You can find wide receivers for one year. You're just, I mean, you're going to have to turn that roster over again every single year, but you can do it. You, and you'll get your championship, and then it doesn't matter. You could suck for three straight years, and you still have that trophy, and you've still got that money to pay your buy-ins. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take the championship, <laughs> and I'll still be competitive in 2020 and 2021. But anyways. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there, yeah, there's that too. There is that side of it. Um so one of the things that we wanted to do um, as we're doing our, our reflection, though, is uh, we're both rankers for DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Uh, you can find our rankings, our Superflex and 2QB rank- rankings at DLF, and uh, we're working on updating them right now. Um, I don't believe that either of us have actually updated and published our rankings just yet. We're still working through it, but... I think that you and I have both done enough updates that we can talk intelligently about um, some of the some of the movers uh, in our uh, in our respective rankings. So let's start with some top uh, the top five at each position, and I'll I'd love to start with you, James, with the quarterback position. Give me your top five after the yes. 2018 season. Yes, I will, and I will start with the 1.01. <laughs> my my. My top quarterback oh, um, is Patrick Mahomes, oh, and and I and I feel very good about putting him over Aaron Rodgers, who I have at two. I haven't bumped Rodgers down too much, um, but I, I I think he's on the back nine of his career. I'm I'm starting to, to worry a little bit about Rodgers more than I I ever was last year. Um, Deshaun Watson's my number three, and he's done enough to me to prove that he's going to be good for the long the long haul. Um, I think even with some of the receivers that they have uh, that, that always seem to get hurt, um, whether it be Will Fuller, whether it be Kiki Kuti, who can't stay healthy this year, he still finds ways to put up points. So I like Watson a lot. I like the young tight ends they have too, by the way, there um, with Atkins and Thomas. And then I have Russell Wilson at four, and Andrew Luck makes it into my top five. 
That's right. You heard it. I have Andrew Luck as a top five dynasty quarterback. So um, I will eat the crow there and say that he is a top five dynasty quarterback. And I was wrong. I was wrong. He he. Uh, his arm looks okay. He can he can throw forward. So nice Res- respect for that one. And also, while I disagree with Pat Mahomes with that call, you I I feel like you reinforce your process on it and it and it ends up being a sound process based on the fact that you still have Deshaun Watson at number three even though I mean objectively he he's been objectively mediocre for several weeks now and this whole season has been nowhere near what we saw in 2017 before the ACL injury you know with it with a couple exceptions but the fact that you saw something in 2017 that you didn't have to see again in 2018 that you just kind of trusted to me that's a it's a sound process that reinforces putting Pat Mahomes at one at uh at QB1 overall i i still don't agree with it but um i'm i'm going to have a lot more respect for your top 5 uh than a lot of <laughs> a lot of the ones we're going to see Okay. All right. Fair enough. As long as I've garnered some respect with it, I, I, I can take the the, uh, the fact that you think I'm wrong. But let's, let's hear your top five, John, because I'm interested. I, I, I think we all know, everyone can probably even tune out and still know who you have at 1.01, but I'm interested in the rest of them for sure. Yeah. So there is a debate to be had here. One that not only am I open to, but one that I am personally kind of struggling with. But it's not who is, it, it's not, it, and it is over who is quarterback one, but it's not Pat Mahomes. Right now I have Aaron Rodgers still at number one. He's just been so good for so long. He's dealt with injuries this year. He's had a tough schedule, and he had a horrible, he had horrible play calling um, that ultimately led to the firing of Mike McCarthy. My good, are you Joy, sure you're not a Packer Joe fan? These <laughs> are the same excuses I hear for Aaron Rodgers from them. Man, yeah. man. Yep, yep. <laughs> Joe Philbin really hasn't been that much better, and now Aaron Rodgers dealing with a groin injury when he finally got healthy from the knee. So, I yeah, I there are definitely plenty of excuses for Aaron Rodgers, and uh, I I'm not willing to move him down. I just know all too well what he's capable of when he's got when you know when he's healthy and when he's got you know the 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 full complement of wide receivers he also has a really young wide receiver core they they used all three of those rookies and uh but anyway so Rodgers is still one for me I will acknowledge that Pat Mahomes has to move up pretty significantly mm-hmm. so I've got him at number 2 I can't okay. put him ahead of Aaron Rodgers and right now I've got Andrew Luck at number three, and that's the one I'm struggling with. Andrew Luck has been my quarterback one in Superflex before, and that was before the shoulder injury. He looks exactly to me the way he did before the shoulder injury back when I had him as the quarterback one. The fact that we've we've seen enough from him, from healthy Andrew Luck, and we've seen him playing well with a you know a pretty mediocre supporting cast yeah 
is really tempting for me to to flip Andrew Luck and, and Aaron Rodgers. I'm really struggling with this, actually. I I am seriously considering moving Andrew Luck back to quarterback one, and Aaron Rodgers would drop to quarterback three for me. I don't necessarily have to have Rodgers ahead of Pat Mahomes. I just can't put Pat Mahomes at quarterback one. I can't endorse that just yet. So And then just to round out my top five, Carson Wentz is is at number four. He was at number two for me going into the season. Mm-hmm. He didn't do a whole lot to to deserve to drop. It's just the reemergence of Andrew Luck and the emergence of Pat, of Pat Mahomes um, drops him to number four and Cam Newton at number five. Um, so he doesn't really move either. Uh, he just gets uh, Pat Mahomes essentially replaces Deshaun Watson in my top five. Um, so yeah, first of all, I want to know what you think, but beyond that, I'd really love to hear your thoughts on, uh, the quarterback one, uh, decision that I'm, that I'm wrestling with. Well, I, I, man, I, I still, I still have concern with, with Andrew Luck and look, he has shown that he, you know, he, he looks healthy. Um, everything looks good. And like you said, he, he put up some really impressive numbers with a, a supporting cast that's, uh, mediocre at best. And so I get why why people want to do that. I just wonder if it's too soon. I just wonder if let's pull the reins back a little bit and see how he does in the off season. See how you know see how his you know his his health is going to be you know long term and and that sort of thing. And and then with Rogers too. I I mean you, you made some good points. Um, and these are things that I hear you know a lot. But I think I think the main point is. His supporting cast, too, hasn't been what it has been in the past. I mean, you brought in a, a broken Jimmy Graham, um, a guy who just isn't the same player that he was with the Saints. Uh, you have Devontae Adams. You let go of Jordy Nelson. You brought in three rookies who, you know, Rodgers has no chemistry with. So, it, yeah, it can be tough. But I feel like if he does get healthy and he does get some chemistry with these receivers, we're going to see a better Aaron Rodgers. Now, I personally don't think it's going to be as good as a Patrick Mahomes that we're going to see moving forward. However, I understand for your uh, your situation here, kind of what you want to do. I have a little bit more faith that the Packers front office is going to make a push for things and they're going to surround Rodgers with playmakers, whereas the Colts, I don't know that they're going to do that or if they're going to decide to build through the draft and it's going to be a little bit of a slower process for, for Andrew Luck to get on the same page and to get playmakers Um you know, that he feels comfortable with that, that are acclimated to the NFL game. So to me, I'm going to lean a little bit more towards Rogers there, but I, I totally understand why you have that debate. I know you've been higher on luck than I have this entire time. And, uh, and you're higher on Rogers right now than I am. So I, I, I totally understand why you would, uh, why you'd be struggling with that. But, uh, but for me, I would still lean Rogers just a little bit there. That's fair. Um, yeah, I, that's that's actually a, a pretty fair argument. Although, I, I mean, I do think that the Colts can probably improve that, you know, that that offense around Andrew Luck. He he's got, man. At this point, I think you have to say Quentin Nelson is with you know possibly uh, Villanueva from from Pittsburgh. Those are those, Quentin Nelson might be the best all around offensive lineman in football. And I mean, and he was only a rookie. He's still healthy, 
still it's still so dominant they and they can improve that line beyond that and we've got a really strong class of rookie wide receivers coming out this year the colts could definitely get a piece of that um I mean, they've got the cap space that they could go after some of these big-name running backs, a Tevin Coleman or a Le'Veon Bell. I hope they don't. I hope they spend the money, you know, more wisely and stick with the guys they have. I think Marlon Mack Mm -hmm. is just fine as their starting running back, and I think Naheem Hines is, you know, is above average for a pass-catching back, a third-down back. So, Um, But I, I, I think that they that there's some room for improvement and uh i i think that we're kind of gonna see it so yeah that's the one last hurdle i suppose is 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 this just a normal recovery period in the off season for andrew luck and i'm curious to see that but man if he if he looks healthy going into you know mini camp and otas and ultimately training camp I don't. I don't know that I can keep him out of the quarterback one position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot will be learned in the off season with those two guys in respect to how their their teams are going to approach free agency and the draft. And it's, I think that'll show a lot of what they're expecting moving forward. As far as are they expecting to compete right away? Are they trying to build a dynasty? Um, through the draft, that sort of thing. So I think that'll be interesting to kind of monitor, um, and I think that might make you lean one way or another. So I think the offseason is going to be huge for those two guys because I could see that for you being a, a tipping point possibly. Yeah. So let's move on to the running back position here, because and, and this should be a fairly quick one. I mean, we can definitely uh, put the, mic- the microscope over um, the – slight difference that you and I have, but uh, ours look awfully identical. So I'm just going to give you Mm -hmm. mine real quick. Saquon Barkley is my running back one. I know, I know, but he's still, God, he's just so, he's so good. Mm -hmm. And he, he had the type of supporting cast in 2018 that Todd Gurley had back in 2016 and when he did absolutely nothing with Jeff Fisher. He had this he's had the same type of line, he's had the same type of of play calling. He's had the same type of um you know supporting cast the the lack of a of a credible passing game to support him. And Saquon Barkley has just he's he's been I mean honestly the best running back for for NFL purposes, he's been the best back in football. Mhm. And the only thing that Todd Gurley really has on him is more touchdowns. And the reason for that is more opportunities for touchdowns on a more high scoring offense um, and a more credible passing game. So, yeah, Saquon Barkley is the better running back to me. Todd Gurley is number two, though. Ezekiel Elliott, number three. Alvin Kamara, number four. And number five is Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, that's that's a solid list, John. I'll, I'll go ahead and say that the only person that you have on your list that I don't have in my top five is Alvin Kamara, and I have him at six, so I, we're, we're that close. Um, but I'll go through mine right quick. Uh, Saquon point one, uh, Saquon Barkley is going to be my number one, and I want to give a quick shout-out to Brian Haar, who this, this year he was taking Saquon Barkley with the 1.01, and he was getting a lot of flack for it too, <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, and he, he stood by it. it. 
Yeah, and and right now that's my 1.01. So I, I Brian, I'm I mean you're behind you, bud, but I'm I'm on board now. Um, my uh, my next I have Todd Gurley on the list, then Zeke Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, and Melvin Gordon cracks my top five. And that I'll, I'll tell you what, I was not buying into Melvin Gordon this year. Um, I did not think that uh, that his his paltry yards per carry was going to amount to him ever being a top running back option. But I tell you what, he's looked 10 times better this year than I think he has in the past. His yards per carry are up. His touchdowns are still where they were. Um, and he's been a top back. Um, so, you know, uh, outside of the, you know, missing some time with injury, he's been great. So he's in my top five there. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I, our top fives look very similar, John. I, I don't really have any issue with yours there. Um, I think our receivers look pretty similar too, don't they? You want to go through your, uh, your receivers? I'm willing to bet that they're pretty close. Yeah, I think they're pretty close. I think that we've we it looks like we probably have a little bit of a discussion at the very top. Um, it was it this was really hard for me, but I ultimately made the move to push Odell Beckham Jr. to number two, and DeAndre Hopkins becomes number one. And it's it's just the simple fa- well, there's two things. First of all, health. I'm so tired of owning uh, owning Odell Beckham Jr all over the place because he's been my wide receiver one and only getting you know at the most 10 games out of him every season it's getting so frustrating i and it's not a huge punishment i only moved him down to number two but uh the other the other issue with beckham and this isn't a a a huge deal but it's enough for me to split hairs between the two uh, and put Hopkins at number one because he's got a more stable quarterback situation. And, you know, a, a guy, again, that you just mentioned is one of your top five in Deshaun Watson. Hopkins has that for the foreseeable future. He's got a, you know, they've got, it's it's not a real good offensive line, but it's been improving. He's got Will Fuller. He's got Kiki QT. Now he's got Demarius Thomas. I have no idea what the rest of that receiving core is going to look like in 2019 yet. I kind of think that Demarius is probably the odd man out, but Mm -hmm. um, you know, the some very complimentary pieces on the field along with DeAndre Hopkins, and uh, not a whole lot left for them to really improve on. Um, So just just based on situation and based on health, I've got Hopkins ahead of Beckham. And then after that, I've got Michael Thomas. Um, And again, the the big concern is who's the quarterback going forward. If the Saints win the Super Bowl here in uh, in 2018, or it'll be 2019 when that happens, February of 2019, if the Saints win the Super Bowl, I don't think Drew Brees comes back. And then the question becomes, is it really Taysom Hill? Do you really trust Taysom Hill to be the starting quarterback of the world champion New Orleans Saints? And if they actually do, what does that mean for Michael Thomas? So just based on that fear, all those what-ifs, Michael Thomas slots in at number three for me, then Devontae Adams, and Antonio Brown still holding on at number five. Yeah, I, I don't have a, a huge issue with, with yours. As a matter of fact, our top three are the same. They're just in a different order. Um, and I could, I, I mean, you can make a case for any of them being one, in my opinion. I think it's that close. Yeah. Um, our number four is the exact same, and we have a different different guy at five. So I'll go through my list <laughs> same, right quick. Same team, different player. 
Yeah, same team, different player, exactly. So uh, my number one is Michael Thomas. Um, and again, you brought up some really valid points there. Um, I, I do think, however, and, and this is going to be, this is going to kind of show kind of where we're thinking too, because I think if Drew Brees, if it does happen that Drew Brees retires, I think Teddy Bridgewater gets gets re-signed and, and they end up handing it over to Teddy Bridgewater and mixing in some Taysom Hill. And again, I know I'm higher on Teddy Bridgewater than uh, than I think you and uh, and Travis were. Uh, I, I really like Teddy Bridgewater, and I definitely think that um, if he is healthy, which again is a big if, but if he's healthy, I think he can uh, he can provide enough to to sustain Michael Thomas as a number one wide receiver. So um, I'm okay with Michael Thomas at one. Uh, I, I just love his hands. I mean, the guy catches everything. He runs good routes. He knows how to get open. He's really learning the game, and he's a physical specimen. So um, I have him at one. DeAndre Hopkins at two. And again, I'm splitting hairs because Hopkins has been so good. That guy, I mean, he makes those – he makes some – just breathtaking catches, some some catches that you go, oh, man. Sometimes you look and Watson will throw the ball, and while it's in the air, I'll go, why did he throw? Oh, it's Hopkins. He caught it. That's fine. That's fine. Like, he caught that, it between his exception. freaking legs. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like he's covered like, he does like a blanket. And, yeah, yeah, or he pins it against the guy's helmet or something. Like, <laughs> it's just insane what that guy can do. So uh, DeAndre Hopkins comes in at two, though. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. at three, and you made some really good points. This was my my wide receiver one last uh, going into the year two, and and absolutely you nailed it. I can't count on him week in and week out. I could count on Michael Thomas. I could count on DeAndre Hopkins. I put them in my lineup, and they are there week in and week out. I haven't been able to do that with Odell Beckham Jr. and and the worst part is, he's been hurt the last two seasons at the end of the year when I need him for fantasy playoffs. So I I mean I know, like you said. Can't really predict injury, but at this point, it's becoming more of a habit, and it's uh, it's it's enough for me to move him down because I'm really splitting hairs with those top three. Number four, I have Devontae Adams, too. Uh, I love the fact that he's going to be with Rodgers for a while. Um, he looks like he has a great chemistry with him, and he's, he's, he's a good receiver. Um, my number five is Juju Smith-Schuster, and I know I'm higher on him than most are. But I think we're starting to see, and this this is going to be the interesting conversation because I think we're starting to see the passing of the torch from Antonio Brown to Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, I think I think Schuster is becoming the number one wide receiver there in Pittsburgh. Um, he's just it, it, he can just do a little bit of everything, and he's getting better. You know, he's getting better after each game. He's getting better after each season. He has that big play potential that we haven't seen from Brown this year. Um, and he's also, you know, really good over the middle. He can make the tough catches. Um, I, I like everything Juju Smith-Schuster has to offer. So I have him at five right now. I also think age is a factor, too. I like Antonio Brown's game. I'm just worried that he's on the down end of his career, whereas Juju Smith, I think his arrow is pointing up. So um, those are those, that rounds out my top five. But it's not not too different than yours, John. Yeah, absolutely. And I, man, I love Juju. I think you're a little early on him, but I actually kind of like that because, man, there's a good chance that a year from now we're talking about him as a top three wide receiver in fantasy football. So, it, it, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, and in fact, that's that's kind of the goal is to get out ahead of that. I've still got him in my top 10. I still have Tyreek Hill and Mike Evans ahead of him. Uh, so Juju comes in at number eight for me, but, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I like the bold call of putting him at number five and kind of setting the tone that you've got to treat him like a high end wide receiver one 
um, because you know while he's not quite there yet for me he's not quite there yet for you he he might be but for me he's not quite there yet but let's let's use a little foresight and prepare for for the day when Juju Smith Schuster becomes a top three and then ultimately number one overall in one QB dynasty because that day is coming beautiful i i (laughs) I just i love hearing that so yeah i'm on board with that man so uh what do you say we get to tight ends here i know it's not the sexiest position this year but uh but we uh we do have a top five for tight ends right yeah we do and yeah this is this this should be brief i'll say that that's that's the good Mm -hmm. news i'm actually gonna let you go first on this one um but i know that ours are awfully similar Sure. Um, so my first tight end is Travis Kelsey. That should surprise no one if he's not your top tight end. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I really feel like he should be. He's, he's young. He's in the prime of his career. He's got Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball. I mean, I, he's part of an excellent offense that utilizes a tight end well. Zach Ertz is my number two. I like Zach Ertz. What I'm a little concerned about was when we see Nick Foles in there, it doesn't seem like he uses Zach Ertz quite as much. And so I'm wondering if he is really reliant on Carson Wentz. Um, that's something that we'll see moving forward here, especially to close out the season, something I'll be watching. But he's my tight end, too. George Kittle is my tight end, three. Um, he's he's a slam dunk tight end, three for me. I really like him moving forward. Uh, the, the great thing about Kittle is that he can stretch the seam, and he's got quickness. So he seems to get behind defenses a lot and make some big plays. A lot of tight ends don't have that big playability. They can, you know, they'll, they'll make several catches over the middle for you, but they don't, you know, and they can be a factor in the red zone, but they don't have that big playability that Kittles has shown this year. So um, I really like that about him. My tight end four is O.J. Howard. I thought he was really coming out before the injury. I thought we were starting to see the best of O.J. Howard, and uh, and then, you know, he got hurt. So um I'm high on O.J. Howard moving forward. I think that if he comes back 100% healthy, which, again, that'll be something to monitor in the offseason and OTAs uh, to see how he's, his health is. Um, that's a guy I like. And my, my fifth tight end is a guy who hasn't played all year, and that's Hunter Henry. And I just I, – I really – I'm high on his talent. I like, I like what I've seen from Hunter Henry so far. And I love the fact that he's going to be part of this Chargers offense because, you know, just look with Phillip Rivers, what, what's been done. I mean, when you add a tight end like Hunter Henry to the weapons that they already have with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams looks like he's coming on, and uh, Tyrell Williams is probably gone, which means that frees up some targets there. Um, you know, and then you have that running game with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. I really like where he fits in this offense. He could be the red zone guy too, so I like Hunter Henry moving forward. That's why he's fifth for me. Um, but John tight end is kind of a, it's kind of a wasteland after the top three or four. So, uh, I'm interested to hear kind of where you have these guys. Yeah. And we have the, we have identical top three and, you know, beyond that, it is such a wasteland that I think the more contextual conversation for us to have here is where do we have these guys in overall rankings? So mm-hmm. real quick. Yeah. My top three, Kelsey Ertz, Kittle, Kelsey and Ertz. I have them. Because the the rest of the tight end position is so useless. I have Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz back-to-back in my rankings in number 27 and 28 overall in Superflex. Mm-hmm. So they're in the same tier as, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster is at the, the top of this tier that, that we're talking about. But I've got them in the same tier as Juju. Uh, the same tier as Aaron Jones and Dalvin Cook and Baker Mayfield and Melvin Gordon and Mitchell Trubisky. I actually have them ahead of Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, 
uh, Mitchell Trubisky, Julio Jones, AJ Green, um, the two Vikings wide receivers. I've got. I, I would rather have that advantage at, at tight end when it's such a slam dunk and such a huge advantage. I would rather have Kelsey or Ertz as my tight end than get you know one of the Julio Jones or Adam Thielen as my wide receiver one. That's probably the hot take part. How uh, far away, just out of curiosity, how far away is Kittle for you from those two? Oh, that is a good question. It's it's a pretty significant drop off. Um, it's, wow, so okay. it looks like he's a, right right at the moment. He'd be fifty three overall. Um, so uh, ahead of uh, you know guys like uh, DJ Moore, um, Josh Allen, Calvin Ridley. So a lot of the rookies, mm-hmm. um, Alshon Jeffrey and Robert Woods. Um, but there's still several. I you know I I I would still rather lock up a number one at any of the other you know any of the other positions where you're required to start to or quarterback position where you have the opportunity to start to I I would rather lock up my number one at all three of those positions before I would go after George Kittle at this point Um, but I I think he's gonna move up too um I you know if it's not this offseason the the other problem is I, I feel like that roster is still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we've we've seen kind of a revolving door at wide receiver for them this year. We've seen a, a revolving door at quarterback, and he's performed well regardless. But, you know, what, what happens when you get, you know, you get one starting quarterback, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or Nick Mullins, whoever ends up being that guy, and he's that guy, you know, for 16 games in 2019. Plus, you get a healthy wide receiving core. You get Dante Pettis in his second year. You get Jarek McKinnon back. You know, it, it, it. Just because I don't, I don't totally know what that offense is going to look like, mm-hmm. and that ends up being a, a a pretty important variable at the tight end position. And, uh, you know, one of the, my number five tight ends, so real quick, number four, I still have Rob Gronkowski for, for the moment. Um, and then number five is Evan Ingram. Oh, gross. And he, to me, he illustrates this point because he was pretty solidly top five. And, uh, you know, a, a year ago after the season that he had in 2017, it, but that was when, he was in a similar situation where i mean the quarterback didn't change but the rest of the of the supporting cast around him looked ab- about like what george kittle has had here in 2018 mm-hmm. and then he gets you know he gets consistency at the wide receiver position and at the running back position and all of a sudden the numbers kind of drop and that's that's my fear with george kittle i don't okay. like i also just don't like to make you know, real big moves at these positions based on, you know, volatility at the other positions on, on their respective roster. So that's why I didn't punish Evan Ingram too much. And I still have him ahead of Hunter Henry. I still have him ahead of OJ Howard and David Njoku. And I know that that's not popular, but it's just the fact that I don't, I, I, I don't like to, you know, to, to move them too far up or down. Uh, based on 
exterior forces. Okay, yeah, I, I that's fair enough. I, I think I have I think I have enough concern with Ertz just because I don't know what that offense is gonna be. I don't know what I mean, are we getting the Carson ones from this year or last year? Um, are they going to start utilizing the wide receivers outside more like Nick Foles did this last game and it seemed to work? Um, and also, you know, when is when is Dallas Goddard start eating into his time? I mean, they took him pretty high and he's looked pretty decent in the limited opportunity that he's had. So I have some concerns about Ertz. That's, that's the only reason why I'll have Ertz and Kittle. The gap between Ertz and Kittle will be smaller for me than the gap will be between Kelsey and, and Ertz, um, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Um, that's just the way I kind of look at the tight end position, but it's definitely interesting uh, that we, you know, we uh, we got the same three, but we got kind of a gap in a different place there. So, yeah, in a in a larger gap, but I mean, you make a good point. It's probably something that I'll have to consider and possibly even address um, throughout the off season here. But uh, we're we're getting a little low on time, and we've still got several things to hit on. So. Let's move on a little bit and uh, just uh, just kind of rapid fire this one a little bit. But let's talk about the some of the guys who who rise up in our rankings the most after the 2018 season. And I'll let you start with your list of guys. Sure, uh, I'll start with Austin Eckler. Uh, he's now my running back 30. He shot up. I was not a believer in him uh, before the season. And I am now. Uh, Josh Allen is my quarterback, 14, 14. I, I don't think I had him in my top 40 going into the year, and he is now my quarterback, 14. He's really impressed me. Uh, Philip Lindsay is my running back, 15. He kind of came out of nowhere. John, you uh, you kind of kind of educated us on him in the preseason, but I, I did not have him very high. Now I do. Uh, George Kittle, my tight end three that we just went over, um, I did not have him near as high as that. And Patrick Mahomes is my quarterback one, and I was not a believer. Um, I had him ranked really low. So uh, those guys have moved up a ton for me. What about you? Yeah, those all, those all, I mean, all of those guys had to move up a lot. Those are all rising stars in the league. So yeah, I, I'm I I I didn't list the same guys, but all of those guys moved up just as much in my rankings as in yours. So here's my list of guys real quick. James Conner moved all the way up to running back six. He was not in my rankings. Granted, it's top one hundred and fifty. That's what we've got at DLF. Um and uh it it went beyond that though, and James Conner still did not <laughs> would not have mm-hmm. appeared in my top three hundred or beyond. Um in, you know, until until day one of the NFL season, essentially, uh, when we knew Le'Veon Bell wouldn't be back. But all the way up to running back six. Aaron Jones up to running back eight, and I was already super high on him, but I was, I was a little tentative about ranking him that high, um, knowing that he had a suspension, knowing that Jamal Williams had the attention of the coaching staff, and uh, just, you know, it, just not totally certain how that backfield was going to shake out, but he, he made it all the way up to running back eight by showing what he's capable of. Baker Mayfield. Congratulations, James. You got two rookies on my list here. Baker Mayfield jumps up to quarterback nine. Mm. Nick Chubb jumps up to running back 11. Man, the Cleveland Browns have an explosive (laughs) offense for years to come. It looks like. And then Amari Cooper by moving to the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, being the <laughs> taking the 
taking the the focus of Dak Prescott, he jumps all the way up to wide receiver eleven. He was in the low twenties to to high thirties for me, I believe. So all the way up to wide receiver eleven. It's a sinking ship there, John. That's right, I said it. I <laughs> yes, said it. You, yes, you did. Well, yeah, we'll see. I don't know it. It is. It does feel a little hard to trust, but uh, right at the moment, I mean, they're just—he's everything that they thought they had with Des Bryant and Dak Prescott. He's—he's he's everything that Des is not for Dak Prescott's purposes. He's—he's—he's he's, he's the perfect fit for that offense. So it—it it, it, we'll just see what happens in the off season uh, when it's time to uh, bring in free agents and possibly even some rookies too. But mm-hmm. for the moment, wide receiver 11. Let's, let's talk about a few guys who have fallen in our rankings. And, again, I'll let you go first. Uh, yeah, I'm going to start with Blake Bortles. I mean, uh, he was only decently high in my rankings because of opportunity, and uh, that's gone. So he's now my quarterback 41, which means there are several backups I'd rather have than Blake Bortles. Allen Robinson has dropped down my rankings. Uh, I had once been talked into having him close to my top 15. He plummeted uh, you know, into the mid-30s for me. Devontae Freeman is a guy who I was very high on, and I am not anymore. Um, he, he plummeted down my rankings, too. Doug Baldwin is another guy who, you know, I really was buying the chemistry between him and Russell Wilson and for for injuries and everything else. And he just hasn't performed this last week was his first really good game where you started to see some of the old Doug Baldwin. But even that um, I'm not buying into. So he's fallen down my rankings. And the one that makes me the saddest is Larry Fitzgerald. Um, that that one kind of kind of gives me a, a, you know, great sadness. I, I'm so sad I have to move him down. So wide receiver 45 because I loved watching Larry Fitzgerald. But, man, part of this offense, this offense isn't very good. I don't know when it's going to get good. Um, they they need some wholesale changes uh, with this offense. And Larry Fitzgerald, unfortunately, uh, is going to spend his, uh, his remaining years struggling on an offense that isn't very good, unfortunately, I think. So um, he is, he's uh, plummeted down for me. What about you, John? Where are your biggest followers at? The big one for me in uh, Superflex is Derek Carr, all the way down to quarterback twenty-five. He was a he he was a top five guy for me at one point. I and I suppose I was going into the twenty seventeen season, uh, and I I didn't want to drop him a whole lot. Still a young quarterback, you know. John Gruden in a a very pass friendly offense came in, and you know still had Amari Cooper. Um, still had a, a very good pass protection offensive line and just has not been able to do anything consistently with it. So, yeah, all the way down to quarterback 25. Barely. I, I'm not going to be in a position where Derek Carr starts for me in a super flex league because mm-hmm. that he's just not he he's not consistent enough to even make it into a three-player rotation for me. So yeah, wow. All the way down to quarterback twenty-five. Deion Lewis falls to running back forty-three. Man, he has looked bad this year. It people think that Derrick Henry is just kind of came on in the last two weeks with the two monster games, but he's been the better back for over a month now. We're coming up on two months of Derrick Henry being the better back than Deion Lewis. Golden Tate, it just completely fell out of my rankings. 
And I, you know, it, there's a chance that he jumps back into the low end, depending on where he signs in the off season. But right at the moment, I mean, the, the, the lions were done with him. The Eagles were willing to pay for him just to see if they were going to use him and then decided that they were not. So yeah, he doesn't even get ranked for me. Case Keenum all the way down to quarterback 28. Man, does it hurt to be a Broncos fan and know that you've got one of the three or four worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL. <laughs> that, that that hurts. And that's that's in a league where Cody Kessler is an, is an NFL starter. <laughs> you know, where, yeah. where the yeah. San Francisco 49ers are on their third starting quarterback this year. And <laughs> I would take any one of those three guys on this roster right now. It's not totally Case's fault. The play calling has been terrible. The offensive line play has not been good. We knew it wouldn't be, and it's been even worse than than expected. And they lost their top two wide receivers, you know, several months before they thought they would. They trade Demarius Thomas before he walks in free agency. Then they lose Emmanuel Sanders to the Achilles injury. So now he's thrown to a bunch of rookies. And it's mm-hmm. it, it, so, yeah, certainly there are excuses there, but the reality is Case Keenum for fantasy purposes is not viable. He, I, ah. I, I don't even, I don't want to be in a position where I'm starting Case Keenum. It seems to me that he and the Denver Broncos did just enough to lose to my Cleveland Browns and keep our playoff hopes alive. So I, I don't know what you're complaining about. I thought it was. <laughs> A stellar performance there, and I I do want to take this opportunity to take a victory lap here. I, I told I told all you listeners I told you about John Gruden. I told you worry about that. I wasn't buying that. I wasn't buying any Raiders. Right now, I don't think there's a Raider that I would want on any of my rosters. That's how bad it's gotten in Oakland, and I uh, I don't know that it's going to get any better anytime soon. Yeah, I well yeah, and they're stuck with him for. What, nine more years? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, have fun with that. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's 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 going Josh McDaniels on that team. For the, the rest of you Broncos fans, you'll definitely get that reference. <laughs> Just totally clean house. Anyone of, with any kind of talent doesn't – he they don't belong here. But let's move on real quick to the last segment of this show and just talk for a minute about – week 16 of the 2018 season we've been reflecting on the 2018 season but it's not quite over for some people and there are some tough decisions to be made here in champion in the championship week i don't i i don't remember a championship week ever being this difficult it usually feels like once you get there your decisions become extremely easy but this week i don't feel that way at all I don't know about you. Do you how how are you approaching this championship week? Does it look any different to you than past championships? And do you have any strategies that you feel like you're able to employ uh, in this week? Um, you know, when you've got just one other opponent, you don't have to worry about anybody else. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting, especially because of some of the some of the play 
from some of the positions that have led up to this. You know, I mean, some especially at quarterback. I'll just say some of the top quarterbacks, some of the guys that are, got you there, have really let you down over the past couple of weeks. I mean, I, there's there's a ton of examples uh, of that. I mean, Patrick Mahomes wasn't very good last week. Um, he's got a tough matchup in Seattle. You know, so obviously, if you have him, you're probably riding him. But boy, it. You know, that's tough. And then Aaron Rodgers is another guy. Now he's banged up. If he plays, how much of Aaron Rodgers do you get? Um, you know, how much are the Packers going to want to risk him, you know, being out there? Um, do you trust playing a guy like Aaron Rodgers going into this? Um, and then you got guys like Drew Brees uh, who have underperformed. I mean, Drew Brees hasn't thrown a touchdown in, I think, a few weeks. I mean, it, it's been bad. And last week uh, was a prime example in, you know, in uh, against Carolina on Monday night. You know, you you expect a decent game, and, and he really didn't perform well at all. So that's another guy. You know, do you rely on him moving forward? So the quarterback position is really interesting. Um, I, I, I Again, I'm just going to go with, hey, I'm going to play matchups. I'm going to go with, you know, if, if this guy's got the best matchup, especially at that quarterback position, because the, I, I, who would have ever thought that starting Josh Allen was an option? If I have Josh Allen, there's not a whole lot of quarterbacks I'm starting over him this week. Uh, I think New England is susceptible to uh, running quarterbacks, and they give up a lot of big plays. And Josh Allen's arm strength, uh, combined with some speed at wide receiver that they just discovered now, um, is really going to make it, uh, you know, a tough matchup for New England. So I like Josh Allen coming going forward. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think quarterback is uh, is really interesting with what's happened. Running back, I think a lot of running backs are banged up. There's opportunity for guys that you could pick up off the waiver wire. You could be playing in a championship game and being, you know, looking at picking up a guy like Alfred Blue or, uh, you know, picking up a uh, um, a guy like Jalen Samuel if he's still out there or starting him because it's it's uh, last I I read uh, via Roto World it looks like uh, James Conner is not expected to play now. Um, so that's another back that could play. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if Todd Gurley plays, but John Kelly is a guy that could could slot in and get get some carries. Um, I mean, there are several backs out there. Uh, Jamal Williams is another one, uh, depending on his availability and your roster sizes. But there's a lot of running backs out there that you could be picking up to play. So, yeah, this week to me, I agree. It's it's really difficult to kind of gauge what's going to happen. And then you got wide receiver injuries like Odell Beckham missing. I mean, it's. It's tough. There's a lot of big names that are going to be missing this week, and so it's going to be interesting to see some of the championship lineups that are played going into this week, John. I have a lot of uncertainty, too. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. So let's let's get into some specific decisions people are making. And uh, this first one, real quick, is from uh, Lou DeMeo on Twitter. It's at CT83Nerd, and he says, Assuming all are healthy and start, who should I sit this week? In the championship game, uh, 0.5 PPR super flex, starting third running back in the flex position. So three of these four running backs are going to start for him in a half PPR super flex. We've got Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, James Conner, and Derrick Henry. So far, it sounds like Todd Gurley plays. It sounds like Melvin Gordon plays. James Conner is still fairly up in the air, and Derrick Henry is a perfect bill of health right at the moment. So which uh, which of those four guys are you going to sit, James? Well, I can tell you right now that the poll has Derrick Henry leading, and I'm not sitting Derrick Henry. No. Um, he, he's, he's been too good. He's the one healthy one. He's playing at home. Uh, tough defense against Washington, but he's been at home. Um, they, they put up 17 points last week, and he still tore it up. So I expect Derrick Henry to get um, 
a good amount of good amount of carries against Washington and for him to be fantasy relevant. Todd Gurley has a great matchup against Arizona. If he plays and he's on a percent, I'm definitely starting him. Um, so to me, it's between Gordon and Connor. And it's really interesting because James Connor plays New Orleans. Um, New Orleans defense has been a whole lot better lately. Uh, they've been keeping them in games and actually winning them games, especially this last one on Monday night against Carolina. Um, and then Melvin Gordon, who I like an awful lot, I, I just wonder if he's 100%. And I also wonder, he's playing Baltimore. That's that's kind of a tougher defense. However, you can kind of run on Baltimore. So I think if I had to sit one, I'm probably sitting James Conner. Um, even if even if you know he is healthy and he does play, I think that's the, the way I would lean. I would probably sit Conner. Uh, where are you going with this one, John? I think I agree on Connor. I mean, first of all, the the news cycle on the injury just is not it, – it doesn't inspire any kind of optimism. But not only that, Jalen Samuels looked really good in place of James Connor to a point where I, I didn't feel particularly comfortable keeping James Connor at running back six in my dynasty rankings. I'm going to leave him there, but – I I don't I'm not totally convinced that this is James Conner. Just the way I wasn't convinced it was Le'Veon Bell before him. This is a it's a really good offensive line with a credible passing game. I man, as good as James Conner is, I I'm I'm not so sure that the Pittsburgh Steelers feel like they have to commit to any one running back, especially after seeing seeing how good Jalen Samuels was in the lead back role so Connor is definitely the guy I would bench but so I voted on this and I read it wrong (laughs) I didn't know that it was the guy which of the four are you sitting I thought it was which of the four are you starting and I voted for Derrick Henry so I'm part of the reason I'm guessing that a lot of people did the same thing Mm -hmm. I'm part of the reason that Derrick Henry is winning this poll but Derrick Henry is the guy that, by far, I feel the best about of those four. To a point where James Conner, I do not want him in my lineup. I don't feel great about Melvin Gordon, like you said, going up against Baltimore. It's a really tough matchup, come, and especially coming off an injury. And they've clinched a playoff spot. There's not a whole lot of, of reason to give him a huge workload. And then Todd Gurley, also coming off an injury... He does have a very nice matchup with Arizona, but I don't know how much how much do you really let him run the ball with an inflamed knee. And, you know, mm-hmm. John Kelly is a very capable backup. They brought in CJ Anderson um also to also serve as a backup. And this is a team that that sat their better players at the end of the 2017 season once they had locked up their playoff spot. Yeah, I don't I don't know that Todd Gurley is going to be on the field enough to get you the type of points that you're expecting. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I I feel best about Henry and and the reasons you indicated are are mine too, so we're in line there. Nice. Well, let's stay at the running back position real quick and uh you can help me fill out one of my lineups real quick cuz I've got for a guy who hates running backs, here's here's my group of running backs. Melvin Gordon, Nick Chubb, James Conner, Dalvin Cook, Spencer Ware, Kenneth Dixon. I can start two to three of those in a full PPR. Uh so so let's uh let's let's go with three of them. Give me three of those guys. Gordon, Chubb, Connor, Cook, Ware, Dixon. Yeah, for me, I, I'm I'm gonna go with Gordon, 
Chubb and Cook. And um, I, I think we kind of already went over why we would sit Connor, um, even if he does play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spencer Ware's got a tough matchup. He's going uh, into Seattle. Um, I think Seattle's defense is 10 times better at home. I think really what you're hoping for with him is a touchdown. Uh, but the Williams brothers played pretty well. I mean, uh, Damian Williams played pretty well when he was gone. I don't know what that what that, uh, what that split's going to be. Um, and, and Dixon, same thing. You know, Dixon's kind of in a timeshare right now with Gus Edwards. While Dixon did get the touchdown um, last week, I believe, Gus Edwards still played really, really well, um, and he ran the ball hard at the end there. Um, so I don't know that I would I would feel comfortable with, with the other options that you have. I know um, it's, it's kind of tough with Gordon just because you don't really know what you're going to get, but I could also see him plowing in a couple touchdowns and making him worth starting just because of that. Um, Austin Eckler looks like I, I'm not sure if he's going to be back or if he's going to miss the game but either way he he might not be 100 percent either so if you're going in with those three backs and justin jackson being the third um you're gonna have to rely on some of those guys a little bit so i feel a little bit better about gordon than i do connor um nick chubb is a guy who i absolutely love and this week cincinnati i mean they they couldn't they can't stop a cold so i i uh, i definitely like nick chubb this week and delvin cook really i mean they showed a renewed sense of purpose in minnesota running the ball this past week after getting rid of John DeFilippo, it seemed like they really committed to running the ball and Dalvin cook was the primary, um, beneficiary of that, uh, against a, a weak Miami run defense, Detroit's kind of middle of the road, but I still expect some decent numbers from cook. So I would start those three guys. Nice. I'm not even going to weigh in on that one. Cause that was my lineup. So I'm just going to take your advice nice. and uh, say, thank you. <laughs> so, well, m- well, you can say thank me. You can thank me if if it's right. If it's wrong, then uh, you know. Yeah, just... the, the the only one I'm still nervous about is Melvin Gordon. Again, the matchup. Sure. But mm-hmm. um, you know, if I knew Spencer Ware was healthy, it might be a little bit of a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Chubb and Cook to me are, are rubber stamp starters, and I might even be able to come up with a wide receiver to start at flex in a full PPR. Mm-hmm. That that would be my preference, anyways, and uh, would make the Gordon versus Ware thing a little bit easier. So uh, here's another one. This was off of Twitter. I did not get the uh, the handle, so I apologize to whoever posted this poll. But this is Jared Goff or, or Josh Allen, and uh, believe it or not. That is a really tough call. Oh, this is brutal. It's I've gone back and forth. You you, you know I, I saw this question asked and I went back. I've I've gone back and forth with it. Just in in the uh, you know the time that we've been recording, I've been thinking about it and going back and forth with it. I you know I think I'm going to go against what I initially thought. I'm going to go with Jared Goff because Jared Goff has a, has a really good a really good matchup too against Arizona. But I think the main reason is because like you said, Todd Gurley might not be a hundred percent. And if he isn't, then maybe they throw the ball a little bit more than they normally would. So maybe Jared Goff gets the benefit of the doubt there and, uh, and, and you know, benefits from that. Um, Josh Allen has a really good matchup, and there's not a whole lot of quarterbacks this week that I would start over him. But I think Jared Goff might be one of them just because Gurley's health is, is questionable. If I knew Gurley was going into this game and he was going to be 100%, um, you know, or close to 100%, I think I would probably wing Allen. But because of the Gurley news and because he didn't practice today, being being Wednesday, he didn't practice, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned that even if uh, even if Gurley does play, that they don't they don't use him, they don't ride him as, as, uh, as much as they would normally. So I'm going to lean Goff, but, man, I could go either way. It's really close for me, John. 
Yeah, and, and I'm going to go the opposite way with Josh Allen. It, it, but it, it, this is a really tough one. It, and it feels really strange to go into championship week with Josh Allen as your starting quarterback. You know, when, first of all, it's a rookie. Second of all, he's traveling to New England where not only are they notorious for their defense, and their defense hasn't been quite as good as in years past, but it's come on pretty strong in, in recent weeks. And uh, you know, they're also very well known for their ability to game plan on the defensive side. But this is also, not only is this a rookie quarterback, this is the rookie quarterback that we just could not get his name out of our mouth in the most negative ways possible in the <laughs> offseason. We all hated Josh Allen. We thought he was... He was just the most inept, you know, just, just absolutely didn't have any control over his body. He's throwing right-handed when he's actually left-handed. We we thought that this guy was going to be absolutely terrible. And now I'm 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 thinking that he's a a league winner. And I would I would take him over Jared Goff. I think that even though Todd Gurley doesn't get a lot of work, I think that the Rams still lean on the running game. I still think you see a fair amount of John Kelly and a fair amount of C.J. Anderson because it's that easy to run on Arizona. And I do think that Arizona has a better a, a, a better pass defense than a lot of people think. People don't mm-hmm. realize how good Buda Baker is, man. He is just and, – and, I mean, he's only one guy. You still got Patrick Peterson on Brandon Cooks, and then you put Buda Baker on, on Robert Woods. And there's not a whole lot of incentive to try and throw into that. So I, I am, I'm very nervous about Jared Goff. He hasn't looked good in several weeks, and now there's really no reason to use him all that much. So give me Josh Allen. Give me the floor. Give me the rushing potential. And, uh, it, and it, yeah, it's, it, I know it's a tough one, but that's, that's where I'm going with that one. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. And, uh, yeah, I, I like the point about Buda Baker, you know, him being back there in that secondary, I liked him out of Washington he's really starting to come into his own. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I could see it again for me, man, it's really close. So I, I could see going either way. Cool. So this one I believe is one that you're dealing with this week, Marcus Mariota versus Nick Foles. Yeah, absolutely. I am in a championship game. It's a super flex league, and I have been starting Marcus Mariota as my second quarterback or my super flex in that league for weeks now. But Nick Foles really proved to me last week that uh, that you know maybe he should be started. Nick Foles has a matchup against Houston. Um, Houston's pass defense isn't great, but boy, they put pressure on the quarterback. I don't know. Nick Foles isn't always good against pressure. Uh, Marcus Mariota is playing Washington on Saturday. They are at home. Um, I, I, I'm really struggling with what I do. Do, do I do I buy into what we just saw from Nick Foles? Is this going to be the Nick Foles from the beginning of the year? What do you think, John? Oh man, I this this is also a very tough one. Um, I'll, probably not a super enviable one either way. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I'm personally gonna man. Nick Foles has a tough matchup with Houston. Um, I, I, I do like the mastery that he has over that offense, but the one thing I will say about the, what we've seen from Nick Foles the last two weeks, we've got, we've got long-term memory loss when it comes to Nick Foles, because we tend to forget 
he started the 2018 season as a starting quarterback, and he was god-awful. They could not get Carson Wentz on the field fast enough. So while he's looked fine as of late, Houston still has a lot to play for here, by the way. Right now they're in the second seed. They have a chance to lock that up and get that first round by and possibly even challenge the winner of the NFC, or of the AFC West for the number one overall seed. So I think Houston puts the screws to him. I'm going to stick with Marcus Mariota. It, it's not a great matchup for Mariota either, and this Titans offense can certainly go one-dimensional when the running game is working, and we both think that Derrick Henry is going to continue what he's been doing. Um, but I think that Marcus Mariota is uh is the safer bet here um with uh in a in a much more attractive matchup um and with a lot more outs than what i think nick Foles has okay nice well thank you thank you for that i i've got one more for you john if you got if you got time let's do it okay I, uh, in a different league, going for the championship here, and I have to choose a flex. And it's down to Jarvis Landry, who is playing Cincinnati, and Mike Williams, who is playing Baltimore. Now, Jarvis Landry, what, what concerns me a little bit, he's playing Cincinnati. It's a good matchup, but the last time he played Cincinnati, I think he made a couple catches for 30 yards. Didn't get me much. Mike Williams is playing Baltimore. It's a tough matchup. I don't know which one to trust, John. It's championship week. I got to put one of them in my lineup. What do I do here? Oh man, yeah, that is a tough one. And I, man, there's a reasonable chance here that Mike Williams draws Jimmy Smith. Not only is he going up against a tough secondary just in general, but he might, you know, Keenan Allen in the slot. And I also, I'm not totally sure what the story is with Keenan Allen's. Uh, injury situation but mm-hmm. I mean yeah Mike Williams seems like the most likely to and not only would he see some Jimmy Smith he could also you you could just as easily put Brandon Carr on him and then bracket him with Eric Weddle that that almost seems like the way to go in fact with a big physical receiver like Mike Williams so there's just man there's just not a very clear path for Mike Williams you're just hoping that they can get down into field goal range or get into the red zone, sorry, and and uh, mm-hmm. and you know you're chasing touchdowns at that point. So in a PPR league, I think I'm going with Jarvis Landry, um, somebody who I do not trust at all. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. just based on the matchup and based on, uh, you know, back to what I just said about Marcus Mariota, I feel like there are far more outs for Jarvis Landry. There are a lot more ways for him to get you those fantasy points. So I'm going to go Jarvis Landry. Wow, okay. All right, well, thank you. I'll plug my nose and set my line up, put Landry in there. <laughs> I think either either way I was going to have to do that. I was going to have to plug my nose and, and, uh, and suck it up and put one of them in. So, all right, I'm trusting Landry, John. Nice. That's a tough one. I, I will say with the way I've struggled with setting lineups this year, and, again, it comes back, it comes back full circle. I mean, the big problem is – uh, you know, second guessing myself and overthinking mm-hmm. this stuff, but mm-hmm. um, you almost might be better off going Nick Foles and Jarvis and uh, Mike Williams there. Oh no! Uh, just... Oh no! 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 <laughs> See, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Mariota and Landry. But you know, when you message me on Twitter, you know, in two days and go, you know what? I was thinking about oh. it, and I was thinking I'm gonna ignore those. Yeah, that... because I'm gonna set it. 
And and forget it, John. Set that's, and forget it. That's the strategy. Plus, by doing it this way, you've got a scapegoat. And uh, I should not be inviting our listeners to make me a scapegoat when it comes to setting their lineups. Oh but my, I can't wait to yell at you publicly on Twitter for messing me up. I, I, I almost hope that happens now. <laughs> I know. I've been incredibly lucky. It, you know, with people asking me start sit questions and I get it wrong. And not only do they not call me out, they come back and ask me for advice the following week. And I really appreciate it. I don't totally understand it. Clearly it's a flawed process, but it, it just, it's very meaningful to me that, that I haven't been, you know, I, I haven't had my feet held to the fire uh, nearly as much as I deserve in this 2018 season. So I really... absolutely. I, I, I real quick, just want to utter those sentiments. I've got some of the best followers on Twitter and whenever I give them advice that doesn't hit home, they, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't get, uh, raked over the coals for it too much. So, uh, held accountable is one thing, but, uh, but that's, that's about the most that, uh, that they'll do. So, so that to me is, is awesome. And I appreciate that too. So go ahead, John. Yeah. So, yeah. So based on that, Hopefully you're all playing for f- some fantasy championships this week, and uh, if if karma holds true, then uh, you're all going to be hoisting trophies, and we can't wait to hear about it. Definitely invite you to hit us up on Twitter uh, with some start-sit questions if you are going into the fantasy championship. James is at underscore James the Brain, and I'm at Superflex Dude. You can also get to us both. Um, and, uh, you know, Travis and um, just kind of the, the show in general and all of our great listeners um, and, uh, and our great community around us at Superflex Show on Twitter. So feel free to send us those questions and uh, we'll definitely help uh, to the best of our abilities. And if you're not playing for a championship, if you're not playing for anything here in Week 16, we still would love to hear from you on things like trades uh, you know, any any settings questions that you've got going into the offseason, if you're planning a new startup, uh, and just any thoughts, any questions, any advice for us, any feedback for us, we welcome it all going into the offseason. Uh, it's going to be a fun one, and we're really looking forward to it. But we're going to wrap it up for this week. And as we do, ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And rate and review, particularly on iTunes, those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach, get out to a greater audience, a bigger audience. This audience is already as great as it could possibly be, but a bigger audience and help us to really dial in on the, the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. You can also subscribe to the entire DLF family of podcasts mega feed and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. Again, send us your trades on Twitter at SuperFlexShow. Travis is at TravisNFL. James is at underscore JamesTheBrain. And I'm at SuperFlexDude. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song, The Addiction, that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, it's so good to be back. Thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Good luck in Week 16. Go get those championships. And until next week, stay sexy. It's super flexible. Yeah,